0: or download many more free sermons at graceunlimited.co.za or livinghopechurch.co.za. Good morning everyone. It is wonderful to be with you again this Sunday morning where we come now to study the Word of God together. As I encouraged you from last week's message, I hope some of you Uh, all of you have taken the time this morning even just to read a little bit about the passage Uh, some of the passage we'll study today and preparing your hearts for god's word to do its work in your life okay well one of the things i've realized again at the start of this year is that communication is very important i think you all would agree with me good communication is vital for anyone and everyone because it affects so many areas of our lives. Everyone here loves and appreciates good communication and all the different kinds of relationships we have. I mean, it's vital for a good marriage, right? Between a husband and wife. Between a parent and a child. Any employee loves good direction and communication from their boss. I mean, even here in the church, communication is very important between leadership and the members, even amongst the members themselves. But the same is true in our relationship with God. Communication is important to God because we serve and worship a God who communicates. A God who is whose Word is so powerful that when He speaks... All of life comes into existence. Last week we spoke about the first target we have for this year, which is making God's Word the very center of your life. And he spoke about some reasons why. First reason was because of what God's Word is. You remember, the inspired, God-breathed, life-giving words of the Almighty Creator of this universe. We also spoke about what it can do, that it teaches us doctrine, it shows us where we sin, it provides that correction, and God's inspired word is useful for training us in righteousness. And all of that has a great purpose, God says, so that He can make you completely complete, completely complete for every good work that He has prepared for us. But for that to happen, church, we said we must actually spend time studying God's Word. And so we're trying to make the most of our time in doing that even today because we know that God's powerful Word is able to save. We know that. But it not only is able to bring someone to salvation, it also now continues to work in us as we study it and meditate on it. And it's all because of God's grace, because He has communicated with us. Because one of the realities in our relationship with God is not, not only does He communicate with us, but He makes it possible that we can now communicate with Him. Ephesians 1.13, Paul reminds us that in Him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation... And believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You see, it's only those who truly believe who have the Holy Spirit within them. It's those who will have a real appetite for prayer. God has saved us for good works, but he has also saved us for fellowship with him. He has brought us into this new relationship because of Jesus Christ. And He wants us to talk with Him. He wants us to pray. And so today we're going to be talking about praying. Praying. And the importance of what we talk about and how we talk when we talk to God. Now let's say I told you that you can have an hour-long conversation or an interview with someone that you think is really important or that you would really like to meet. I mean, this could be your favorite author, a celebrity, a sports star perhaps, even a world leader. This is great anticipation as this time is coming closer for this interview conversation to happen. You're really excited to have this conversation with this person that you think is so interesting. But this time has now arrived and you're having this conversation and this conversation is going great. But then it comes to an end and you're like, man, that was really great. I loved it. Now what if I told you you could have that same conversation with that same person again tomorrow? Would you be excited to do that as you were the first time? Maybe you would think, okay, maybe I missed a couple of things in the first round. Let me be more attentive in the second round. Now what if you had to have that same conversation again the following day? Maybe now you'd be like, oh man, I don't want to do that again. Talk about the same stuff again. I think for anyone, if they had to keep having the same conversation over and over again, It would start to feel empty and useless and even frustrating, right? But now I wonder if that is how people feel and what is actually happening when they're talking with God. If you stop and think about it, you might feel as if you're talking to God about the same things all the time. And as a result, your prayer life is not that personal or as meaningful. As you would want it to be. You don't really feel that close to God, but that's not the only problem, is it? How many of us struggle to get through a time of prayer without our thoughts drifting into thinking about all the other things that's going on in our lives? Where it feels that when we pray, our prayers are all over the place. One moment you're praying for this. This coworker who needs Jesus, but before you know it, the next moment you, you're you're talking with God about and asking for money again to help pay those bills, which, if we're honest, is a default problem many of us have. We are selfish when it comes to our prayers. I mean, this is what James talks about in James four, verse three. He says, "You ask." And do not receive, because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You see, at least one thing James is saying here is that there is this wrong kind of praying, right? Where there's this clear evidence of selfishness and a lack of focus with the wrong motivations. And with that focus, one of the things that happen is that our prayers become more and more general. Have you ever noticed that in your own prayer life? They're not specific anymore. You're back at praying about the same things all the time. But the problem continues. Because another problem that affects people's prayer life is the reality of sin and disobedience. Instead of dealing with that sin... People get comfortable, and perhaps what the Prophet Micah says is happening in Micah three, verse four, where the prophet writes, Then they will cry to the Lord, but he will not answer them. He will hide his face from them at that time, because they have made their deeds evil. What about Proverbs 128? Then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently but they will not find me. See, one of the things the Bible teaches us is that sin and disobedience hinder our relationship and communication with God. And what usually follows over time are people who start to avoid God, which results in a a lack of faith where there's no confidence to talk to God anymore. Because the mind and the heart are full of doubt. James one verse six again. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave, is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. And because there is this lack of faith, and all this doubt and sin, and these feelings of being all over the place in your prayer life talking about the same things in general ways, not really knowing what to say to God, eventually leads people to a prayer life that doesn't even exist. Communication is breaking down. And things start to go wrong. But what's the solution to this problem? What can we do to improve... Our communication with God. Today I want us to consider the second target we have for this year. The second target we are aiming for. Which is not only praying more, but specifically praying the Bible more. Praying the Bible more. In other words, I want to show you today that one of the ways we can change the way we talk with God and have this wonderful, deep, meaningful prayer life is by using God's Word to guide us in our conversations with Him. Which means I I want us to get specific in our prayers by learning how to pray God's Word. And I'm sure most of us will understand and agree that prayer is a vital part of the Christian life. The Bible has so much to say about prayer. There's no way we can cover all that in one message. But for example, just turn with me quickly to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. This text will help shape the overall thinking about prayer that we're going to talk about today. You see, in Ephesians, at the end of this amazing letter, where Paul has just unpacked and encouraged believers about all the resources they have in Jesus Christ, He teaches on the need of using the armor of god we know this this portion so well the armor of god as we engage in the spiritual battle against the devil in this world and one of our weapons in verse 17 is the sword of the spirit which paul says is what the word of god which is another obvious reason why we should make god's word the very center of our lives right but then in verse 18 of chapter 6, Paul shows us the importance of prayer. He shows us where the real battle is fought. How all of life and, and what we do in the spiritual warfare and these spiritual weapons we have, they only find their usefulness when we actually pray. Because here in verse 18, Paul gives us the four alls of prayer. The four alls of prayer in just this one verse. Let me just read for us verse 18. Paul says after talking about all the the, the armor we have, he says, Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance and making supplication for all the saints. So we know prayer and communication with God is important to God and to the believer. R.C. Sproul, he says as well, he says, just as a soldier on the battle line has to keep in constant communication with his general headquarters and his commanding officer, so the Christian who is in the battle line must be in constant communication with his Lord. Because here God's Word says that we should pray when? At all times, right? At all times, referring to the frequency of our prayers. Praying is something that becomes like breathing to the Christian. This is a natural thing we do because we have the Holy Spirit inside of us where we are in constant communication with God. But what happens if I hold my breath? What's going to happen if someone is holding their breath? It's not going to go well, is it? Yet many people only pray when things are hard. When they're faced with some kind of trial. But God wants us to be praying at all times, doing the good and the bad, the highs and the lows, the joyful times, the sad times, because we need Him every single day, every moment of every single day. You see, you might have all the armor on the battlefield, but if there's no constant communication between you and God, that you will become isolated and vulnerable. Next he says, with all prayer and supplication, which is another way of saying that we should be praying all different kinds of prayers. Talking about the variety of prayers. In other words, prayers of praises, prayers of confession, prayers where we are making a biblical request to God. Then he talks about when we pray, we must keep alert with all perseverance during our time of prayer. And keeping alert means we have our spiritual eyes open to what's going on around us. To see the dangers and the the threats and the needs, not only for ourselves, but for other people as well. Paul says with all perseverance. You see, if you're not staying alert and focused in your prayer life, Fighting the battle through prayer, you will go silent. And then finally, making supplication for all the saints. In other words, praying for other people. Having the right focus, knowing who you are praying for and what you are praying for for them. Helping us fight against that self-monster inside of us who just wants us to be talking about our own needs all the time. And so it's helpful for us to know that as we engage in this battle, that prayer and communication with God is vital to our spiritual growth and survival. And how often we pray and what kinds of prayers we pray and how we stay alert and persevere in prayer and who we pray for are all important to God. But here's the thing. What do we actually say to Him When we do pray like this, when we engage with Him by faith in a spiritual conversation. So here's my goal for today. I want to give you three motivations today to help you pray God's Word more this year. Three motivations for why we should use the life-giving Word of God to guide us so that we can have a life-sustaining prayer life with God. In other words, if we're going to avoid saying the same things all the time and being all over the place and drift off as we pray and lose our focus and only pray for ourselves, then we should use the Word of God to lead us and to guide us in our conversation with Him. Three motivations for why we should pray the Bible. And here's the first. We should pray the Bible because of the examples we see from the Bible because it's biblical we pray the bible because of the examples we see from the bible now all throughout the bible all throughout scripture we see god's people talking to him in different ways different people finding themselves in different situations and different contexts but the amazing thing is they're all talking to the same god hundreds of years thousands of years apart Now, one of the offices the Lord has gave His his redeemed people Israel, back in the Old Testament, when they came to worship Him, was that of the priesthood. We all know this. The Levites. The Levitical priesthood. were These men chosen by God who would lead the Israelites to confess their sin. Because as we said, sin is one of those barriers that hinder our communication with God. And this was such an important aspect of how people related to God that there had to be these selected people who were to talk to God on behalf of others in order to rightly deal with the confession of sin. The priest had to lead people in prayer. Now look with me at Nehemiah chapter 9. Nehemiah chapter 9. Here the nation Israel separates themselves from the other nations around them in order that they can confess their sin to God under the leading of these priests. Let me read for you from verse 1. God's Word says, Now on the twenty-fourth day of this month the people of Israel were assembled with fasting and in sackcloth and with earth on their heads. And the Israelites separated themselves from all foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day for another quarter of the day of the of the day they make confession and worship the Lord their God see then it goes on to name all the different priests by name and describes what they were doing exactly then in verse 6 they start by talking to God and highlighting who he is that he's the only God and as they're recounting so many of the things that has happened with Israel already talking about the deliverance and the giving of the law through Moses and the blessing of what they have received. But then they refer in verse 16 to how the people did not want to obey God's word and be in awe of uh, what He has done in saving them from Egypt. But then in verse 17 specifically, they are praying God's word back to Him, saying this, They refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders that performed among them. But they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. Here it is. But, but you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and did not forsake them. These are the same words we find later in Psalm 86 verse 5. For you, O Lord, are a good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. And so as the people were confessing their sin to God through these priests, they were actually using the word of God in Exodus 34.6 and applying it to this very specific situation to guide them in this prayer. Because the next in verse 18 we see it's talking about the golden calf incident, giving us more context to the sin and the unfaithfulness of, of Israel in this situation. So as they were using God's word in this prayer, they were appealing to God but stating that He indeed is a forgiving God. That God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, who abounds in steadfast love. They had to appeal to His nature as they were confessing sin. Which is an example that things can get very personal as we confess our sin to God. Because as we use God's Word in this way, we stop and recognize who we have actually sinned against. It's sometimes hard to know what to say when we confess our sin to God because we're so overwhelmed by it especially because we have to do it so many times. But one example to help us is by using God's Word to guide us in our conversation with Him. Another example we see in the New Testament. Look at the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 4, the apostles, they're getting in trouble because they were teaching people about Jesus. They end up in prison and eventually after another stern warning, that said they're not allowed to teach people about the resurrection of Jesus, they were released again. But do you think this warning is going to stop them from telling people about Jesus? No, it didn't. And so we read in verse 24, Acts 4, 24. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of your father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Now they're quoting the the Psalms here. Why did the Gentiles rage and the apostles plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against the anointed. Then we read down in verse 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness. You see, what's happening here is they were praying for boldness to proclaim the gospel. And as they do that, they were shaping their thinking and their, their worship by crying out to God by quoting Psalm 2, verses 1 and 2. To guide them in this prayer for boldness. Using God's own words to frame their thinking of how to deal with this opposition that they're facing for the gospel. Reminding themselves of what is true, of what they know from God's word. As if we're talking with God. As if we're talking with God about talking to others about God. Knowing that this will be opposed by the world. Let me give you one more example. When Jesus Himself was hanging on the cross. We see that while He's hanging there suffering for our sins. He could only pray and speak a final few words. And remember, he has been severely beaten, totally dehydrated. And his whole body is being held in place by these pegs through his hands and feet. And so he must muster together the last bit of energy that he has and strength to pull himself up. And what would he say in a dramatic moment like this? He would pray the Bible. He was praying Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And what makes this so dramatic is that as he's praying the Bible, he's busy fulfilling the Bible. The very words he was praying back in Psalm 22. So, of course, this makes Jesus so unique. We don't pray the Bible to fulfill the Bible. This is what Jesus does. And so he allows scripture to say shape his prayer, his conversation with God in such a dramatic moment. Wanting God's will to be done, not His. And at the end he says, Father, into Your hands I commit my spirit. Again, praying the words of Psalm 31.5. One way to live the Bible church is to pray the Bible. Is to pray the Bible. Now, if people in the Old Testament prayed the Scriptures, if people in the New Testament prayed the Scriptures, and most emphatically, we see Jesus praying the Scriptures, does that not motivate us to do the same? To be guided by God's revealed Word when we confess our sins. When we pray to make sense of what's going on in our lives. When we pray for strength in adverse times, praying that God will be glorified in what we do. So the first motivation here today is we should pray the Bible because it's biblical. Second motivation. Second motivation for why we should pray the Bible this year is because it helps you focus on what is most important. It helps you focus on what is most important. Because the thing is, God wants us to talk with Him about anything, right? Anything. But we so easily drift into praying about the same old things. Health issues, work and money issues, family issues, the stuff that makes us stressed and makes us anxious. And God totally wants you to be talking to Him about that stuff. Because He knows those things are very much the standard things that are part of your lives. But what if we could talk to God about those things? But instead of having always having the same conversation with him, we use his word to guide us to pray about what is most important according to him. Because the fact that God has communicated with us means we don't have to wonder what are what are the most important things to him. We can know what to pray and to talk to God about because he has revealed that to us from his word. I mean, for, for example, in the following verses here in Ephesians 6, 18, where Paul's talking about the armor of God and all about the four walls of prayer, he goes on to, he's talking about what the church should be praying for him. What does he say? He says, and also for me that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. For which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. How many of us actually pray and ask God to give us the right words to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel? Because more specifically, where can we find the right words that we are to pray to to bring clarity to the mystery of the gospel? God's words, right? Not ours, God's words. Take a passage like Titus 3. Titus 3, 4-7. Let me just read that to us quickly. It says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Now imagine you're soaking up the truth of these verses. Not only by reading them, but turning each verse and each big thought into an ongoing conversation with God. When you're talking to Him and praising Him for the fact that God sent Jesus and revealed Himself to us. His goodness and loving kindness in a Savior. That He had to come because you are a sinner who needed to be saved. And that He saves us because of what Jesus did. Not because of anything we've done, our own works. All because of His mercy thanking Him for how He washes us clean and regenerates us, makes us wake up to the truth of the gospel, acknowledging that our heart was dead and needed to be made alive so that we can understand who He really is. Thinking more about what it means that God poured His love out on us through Jesus, What it means to be justified and counted righteous before Him, and sharing in the inheritance which is eternal life. See, the more you pray along these lines, the more the mystery of the gospel goes deeper into your own heart. So that when the opportunity comes, you might have the boldness to proclaim it as you ought. As you ought. But not only does God's Word guide us how to pray what is most important and for what is right, it also helps us not to pray in the wrong way. It helps us to pray not in the wrong way. Because if we're praying through a passage of the Bible, it will prevent us from praying empty, repetitive words and phrases. We know that Jesus warns about this in Matthew 6 verse 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they may think that they will be heard for their many words. I think this is a real motivation, church, for people to stop and think, what do they actually say when they talk to God? If you want to avoid saying the same thing over and over and and feeling that you have to use these big words over and over, why not rather use God's words? to lead you in what you want to say. And so even as we look to use God's Word to protect us from this vain repetition, we should notice that God is after the right heart more than He is about the right words. God is after the right heart more than He's after the right words. John Bunyan, he said it so well, he says, In prayer, it is better to have a heart without words than words without a heart. Do you agree with that? God knows what is going on in your heart when you come to talk with Him. And so sometimes we might struggle to find the right words. And rather trying to use words that we think might impress others or impress God, let us rather consider what is going on in our hearts and be guided by the safety of God's Word. Another encouragement comes from Ephesians 6 and Romans 8. Ephesians 6, 18 again. When God says that we should pray at all times, what does the rest of that sentence say in that first line? Pray at all times in the Spirit. In the Spirit. Which means we are praying in the Spirit to submit what God wants us to submit to. Then you read passages like Romans eight twenty six, it says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Let's think about that, Church. When there are times when you are so down and out because of fighting the spiritual war, you don't know what to say because you're so weak. We have such confidence and assurance that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us praying the right words for us before God. What an amazing encouragement. But again, if you don't know what to say, why not start by what God has already said? Now the third motivation for praying the Bible. Because it's truth that helps you follow God's will. Because we've seen the examples from the Bible, because it protects us and guides us to keep on track. And now thirdly, because it's the truth that helps you follow God's will. When we use God's word in our prayers, not only do we find fresh content, to talk with God about all the time, but praying from the Word of God means your prayers include inspired words. Joni Erikson Tada, the lady that's been stuck in a wheelchair for most of her life, she explains it like this, I have learned to season my prayers with the Word of God. It's a way of talking to God In His language, speaking His dialect, using His vernacular, employing His idioms. This is not a matter simply of divine vocabulary. It's a matter of power. When we bring God's Word directly into our praying, we are bringing God's power into our prayers. Because God's Word is living, it infuses our prayers with life and vitality. And because it's also active, it injects energy and power into our prayer. So we know that we are praying the truth when we use God's truth, right? I'm praying truth when I use His truth. And we know there's power in God's truth. But you would agree with me, unfortunately, some people have taken this reality and turned it into something they want to use so they can manipulate God. Where they naming it and claiming it and declaring it, with all power where they think that by praying in the spirit means we are using God's word to make him do what i want him to do you see when someone is praying jeremiah 29:11 where they say god you say that you will make us not to be poor but be wealthy instead because jeremiah 29:11 says that you have plans for us to prosper and be wealthy i pray you make me prosperous and wealthy i declare that lord Have you ever heard that kind of praying? The more we say it and repeat it, the more God will have to somehow do it, right? But what does Jeremiah 29 actually say? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, talking to Israel, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. That you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your heart. You see, it's when people don't understand the context of what's going on in verses like these. And they have the wrong theology and doctrine about prayer and God's will. It's then that they start to declare these verses out loud so that God will somehow hear them and give them that welfare. Welfare welfare they think they deserve. When in fact God is talking to Israel here. And He does want Israel to prosper. But not in finances, but in their relationship with Him. Having hearts that truly seek Him. Not money. So we have to be careful not to think that just because God's Word is powerful, that we can make God do what we want Him to do are praying the Bible. The reality is, though, that God has made some wonderful promises in the Bible. God has made some fantastic promises in the Bible for believers. And we should be praying those promises back to Him. One man gives an example. He says, God loves to hear His own words prayed back to Him. It's like when a small child crawls upon the lap of their father and says, Daddy... When are are you going to take us to the zoo like you promised? The father smiles and assures his child that he has not forgotten. And is very much looking forward to doing what he promised when the time is right. This kind of attitude, coming to the Bible to look at God's promises and praying those promises, trusting in God's timing and answering these promises. We think of Alan's message about getting out of the prison of despair. How do we do that? It's by praying God's promises. Not demanding or manipulating God to give you what you want. Praying the Bible actually helps us to know God's will. If we stay committed to reading it and studying it in the right context, right? First John 5.14, the Bible says this, And this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Emphasis on according to His will. How often do you pray, expecting God to answer your prayers, but it's according to your will? So often we pray, for God to direct us to help us to make big decisions but how much of his revealed will is actually shaping that kind of thinking of praying already how much of his revealed will in the Bible is helping you know how you can trust him with your future plans how much of his wisdom are you leaning on instead of your own we don't have to try and figure out what his God's secret will is for our lives. We, he has made it clear that He wants us to live for His glory. And His word helps guide us to do just that. Another example here from Ephesians 5. Again, reading from verse 15. Ephesians 5, 15. We talked about this last week as well, but let's continue. He says, look carefully then how you walk not as unwise but as wise making the best use of the time because the days are evil what does the next verse say therefore do not be foolish but understand what the will of the lord is then you say what is the will of the lord well let's keep reading and do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your hearts, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. A simple reading of the Bible helps us understand what is God's will for your life. He's saying, don't get drunk. That's God's will for your life. Be filled with the Spirit. That's God's will for your life. Sing biblical songs. Always be thankful. Because of your relationship with Jesus, have a submissive attitude. That's God's will for your life. There's a lot on these verses alone that can shape the way we pray and what we pray for and talk to God about. So we have many, many motivations to pray the Bible this year. Because one way to make the Bible the center of your life is to read it, to study it, but then also to pray it. Using God's Word to have a conversation with Him. And so we looked at three motivations of why. Because the Bible gives us examples. We see this from Jesus Himself. Because of how it helps us to pray about the right things. Not drifting off and always praying about selfish things of, of what we want. And to pray truth. Using God's powerful, inspired words to help us follow His already revealed will in our lives. One man, Jay Graham Miller, he says it like this. For freshness of utterance for breadth of comprehension, for elevation of thought, for intimacy of heart, there is no prayer like that which forms itself in the words and thoughts of Scripture. And so today we looked at these three motivations. Are you motivated to pray the Bible more this year? What does your prayer life look like, church? What are you talking to God about? Now, in closing, I want to encourage you to go home and to put this into practice. We need to put this into practice. And a great place to start is the book of Psalms. We see the guys from the Bible do it all the time, right? They've been praying the Psalms. So why shouldn't we? We should start by praying the Psalms. Because this is a book that is full of worship language and helps us to talk with God and about God and how we can grow and to love Him and trust Him more. I want to give you an example of this. Consider taking a familiar psalm like Psalm 23. Most of us should be familiar with Psalm 23. And this example can be found in Don Whitney's book called Praying the Bible. This is a helpful resource that has influenced much of what we spoke about here today. But the simple idea is this. You read the first line, The Lord is my shepherd. And then you start to pray. And maybe your prayers on something, something like this. Lord, I thank you that you are my shepherd. You are a good shepherd. You have looked after me all my life. And a great shepherd, please shepherd my family today. Guard them from the ways of the world. Guide them into the ways of God. Lead them not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. Oh, great shepherd, I pray for my children. Cause them to be your sheep. May they love you as their shepherd, as I do. So you can go on and on and on, but can you see how we've allowed the Word of God to shape what you're talking to, uh, about, to God about? Reading something from His Word, thinking about it, and then praying it back to Him. You're still giving thanks about your family. These things are so familiar and part of your life, but now you're more specific about what you're praying biblically. And perhaps you don't have something to add after that, and so you go on to the next line, which says, And I shall not want. And perhaps you pray something like, Lord, I thank you that I have never really been in want. I haven't missed too many meals. All that I am and all that I have has come from you. But I know it pleases you to bring my request to you, so would you please provide the the stationery we need for my children's school this year? And can you please provide for, for all the other brothers and sisters in our church family who are also in need with school supplies? Applying the principles of Ephesians 6, right? And so you continue to walk your way through the psalm. He makes me lie down in pastures green. And maybe you recognize you need some more time to rest. To spend time in God's green pastures of His Word. So you pray toward that end. Perhaps you get to a difficult verse that you don't really understand. Just continue reading the following one and talk to God about it. You always can come back later to figure out what it says. We want to be praying God's word when we are praying corporately as a church on Sundays as well. We want to be praying God's word when we gather in our small groups this year during the week. And we want to be praying God's Word as we spend time with Him alone. Praying all the time. Making prayers of all kinds of prayers. Staying alert with all perseverance. Praying for all the saints. I trust that this will excite you to get back into God's Word. Finding the words you need to be able to have a conversation with Him. The more we want to pray the Bible, the more we want to study it, and the more we want to study and meditate on it, the closer we get to God. It's hard to worship someone and thank someone in prayer if you don't know what he's like. If you don't know who he is, the Bible reveals him to us. So let us allow his word to fill our prayers and our worship this year. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You that we can come into Your presence with confidence because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your Word says that we can have confidence and that if we ask anything according to Your will, You hear us. Father, we thank You for revealing Your will to us in Your inspired Word. Help us to talk with You more and to grow in our love and affection for You more. Help us use Your Word to guide our conversations, to not allow us to drift off. Help us avoid talking about the same things in selfish ways, Lord. But to read Your Word and to meditate on it and to pray it so that we can learn more about Jesus and what You are doing in this world through Him. Thank you that even in our weakness, when the war is too much some days, your spirit intercedes for us with the right words. Father God, you are holy, perfect. And your steadfast love and dear. you. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.